0: We're, uh, we're blessed in our music ministry to have a last-minute fruit basket turnover to have Lori and Chris and Rosemary lead us. It's not easy to do last-minute. Ben, come preach. So anyways, so we're, we're, we're incredibly blessed. I know you know that. We've been looking at the very end of Jesus' public ministry. How does he finish well? What do we see? Uh, we go back to chapter 7, and we see his availability, that Jesus is constantly, even to the end, He's constantly caring for people and their needs. It's a reminder to us he'll do that for you, but it's also a call upon our lives to go and do the same. We looked at his availability, then we looked at his intentionality, that throughout his public ministry, he began with it, he finished with it, reaching for people who were lost. And he'll do that for you today. And he calls us to do the same to build relationships so we can share the good news that Jesus Christ has come to save, that Jesus died for us. Last week week we looked at his adversity. All that he went through, spiritual enemies, physical enemies, just so much adversity in his life from the beginning of his ministry all the way to the end. And we learned that's just going to be true of us. Whatever was promised, uh, that Jesus promised and saw in his life, we'll see it Two, Francis Asbury, one of the first two bishops in the Methodist Church in America, in his journal said, The more troubles I meet, the more I am convinced that I'm doing the will of God. Jesus promised that for his disciples, those who followed him. So he went through it. We'll go through it as well. And we've got to press through and be found faithful in the midst of adversity. And then today, I love what Linda shared in her prayer I think she said authenticity. I would use the word integrity, but they're both on the mark as we look at Jesus' life and how he finishes well in his public ministry. Submission, surrender, obedience, faithfulness, holiness. Jesus ever lives to do the will of God. Again, going back to Francis Asbury's journal. Whatever I do, where I go, may I never sin against God, but always do what's pleasing to him. And you see Jesus do that here in in his grace-filled response to John and James. This is more than asking for front row seats or a VIP lounge. It's saying basically in glory, we're going to be at either side. I mean, you think they would at least have gotten time out or grounded. Instead, you get this revelation of, of who we're to be, yes, but ultimately who Christ is. He's just told them, for the third time, he's going to die. He's going to give his life. And they're worried about their glory. He's just told them that and they're confused. He's just moments away from Jerusalem and going to die. These These are part of the inner three of the disciples. He's been giving them extra time. We're ministering to them, letting them see himself transfigured. And they still don't get it. Put us at either side. And what we get is now a talk of a cup and a baptism. And listen, they're going to share in that cup. That that imagery of the cup, you see it here, you see it in the Old Testament. It has to deal with suffering and wrath. You're going to see it in just a few, few moments in the prayer in Gethsemane. Can this cup be removed from me? They are at some point going to suffer as well. But Christ here is talking about his cross. They're talking about future glory. Jesus will not take his eye off of the ball. I am here to die. You could talk about those kinds of things and being glorified. Let me. This you've got to serve. You want to be great? You've got to be a servant. Now watch me serve. Jesus has done and said things that shows throughout all. He's got all authority over creation, over the wind and the waves, over spiritual warfare, over disease, even over the forgiveness of sins. But listen to what he says right here. It's not even mine to grant. Now think about that. It's not even mine to grant. Here in this what I think is the heart of Mark's gospel, the climax of Go- Mark's gospel, I am the suffering servant who's going to give all for you, and yet what you hear him say two chapters earlier is the Son of Man will come back in the glory of his Father. In chapter 13, you're going to hear him say, nobody knows about the day or the hour, nor, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Throughout Mark's gospel and through all the gospels, you just see Jesus living for the will and the glory of his Father. Jesus has created, Scripture says, all things with the Father. He is co-equal, co-eternal. This gospel starts with, he is the very Son of God. He has all power. And what we see him saying is, all I want is the Father's will. Perfect submission. Perfect obedience. I'd shared this a year and a half ago, but it was during COVID, so there was four of us here. But I, I remember, uh, I remember um, a letter that, that Sarah's grandmother wrote to her grandfather while they were engaged. She knew his passion and the call of God upon his life to be a missionary in Brazil and here they are engaged and as they're going through that process of getting married and getting ready for the mission field, they've got to go through medical tests and it's found out that she has and would eventually die from heart issues. And so she wrote him the letter, a letter that they still hold to this day. You can go and you can be free of me. The love of her life about to be married and says, all I want for you is the will of God. And God has called you. It's clear God's called you to the mission field. I release you. Now, they eventually were, it, God opened the door for both of them to go, and so they were married and they went. But just that moment of all I want for you is the will of God and to release that. And you see Jesus, co-eternal, the very Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and all you see is all he wants is the will Of God, and it's the same when you look at uh, His public ministry uh, throughout um, the beginning. When you get to Holy Week, the first thing in Holy Week is His passion for His Father's house and the cleansing of the temple. And then the last thing, when He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prays Your will, not mine. Your will. It is a beautiful picture of the obedience of Christ, the passionate resolve of Jesus to keep the Father's will. You see it throughout the Gospels and throughout all of Scripture. In John's Gospel, Jesus would say in chapter 4, 23, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. When you listen to Paul speak of Jesus' obedience and, and his surrender to the will of God. He says, Galatians 1, 3 through 5. Give glory to Christ because he gave himself to the will of God and of our God and our Father. Philippians 2, 8. Jesus was obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. Romans 5, 19. Through the obedience of Jesus, the many will be made righteous. I'm reading a book every day this month as part of my devotional time by Dick Eastman. It's called Awesome, and it is. It's an awesome book about the names and the nature of Jesus. Every day, looking at a different name for Jesus and and part of his character and revealing of his nature. And In that book, Dick Eastman writes, One quality that marked Jesus' life continually was his steadfast determination to fulfill the will of the Father. Wonderful picture when confronted by make us great on either side, and then we get this deep revelation in 1045, the heart of the gospel. I'm not here to be served, to say, look at me. That temptation was right in the beginning of of his public ministry. Hey, jump off a building, feed them bread, make them happy. I don't do that. I'm here to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. What a picture of our Savior as he begins, as he, as he goes through the hard middle of ministry, and as he finishes that public ministry. It's the will of God. It's radical holiness, radical obedience, complete surrender and submission. And that's to be our response as well. A life of worship to the one who surrendered all for us. But also then, our goals, we've been talking on Wednesday nights about the 12 disciples. And the goal of any disciple when you follow your rabbi is, there was a common phrase in Jesus' day, just let me be covered in the dust of my rabbi. I want my life to be so close to his life that it will, he'll just kick up dust. I want his dust to, to be all over me because I want to be that close to my rabbi. And that, as we, as we look through our responses over these weeks, is whatever is his life, I want it to be my life. I want it to be your life. As we watch through Mark's gospel, I think pound for pound you find that word follow in Mark's gospel more than you do in any other gospel. Just before this, they've admitted to him, listen, we, we followed you, Jesus, and we've left everything. That was the initial call at the beginning of Mark's gospel. You've seen that response throughout Mark's gospel, and you get to this next, the next story as it closes out his public ministry. It's blind Bartimaeus, and as soon as he, get, he gets healed, what does he do? It says he got up and he got on the way with Jesus. It's the common response. You get saved by Jesus. You have a need met by Jesus, so you get up and you get on the road with him, and you follow. How is it you and I, looking at his obedience, his submission, how is it you and I can follow well? And I also like what Dick Eastman says here. It's not just about some kind of legalistic, well, that's what Jesus did, so I'll do it. It goes deeper than that. It's something you and I need to to wrestle with this morning in His Word. James and John had to wrestle with it. We need to wrestle with it. Obedience, following, is not just an activity. It's not just following a pattern or a model. But I love what Dick Eastman says. Obedience by definition is not just doing right. But it is the willingness to submit to one in authority or control. To be guided or willing to submit to the orders of one who is superior. Get on the road, yes. But in Mark's gospel, every other page, we, we're just, we just bump into Jesus' authority, that he has all authority. And so whatever he wants in my life, whatever is the will of his Father, I need to surrender to that. And listen, as we yield control, as we, as we say, Lord, you have it all, you can't read John's, uh, Mark's gospel, especially looking at last week, and, and not know that there are going to be people and things that are going to pull at you all the time, including your own heart, to take back control. We said last week that Jesus' life throughout his public ministry was placed in the context of spiritual warfare, and we cannot forget that that is around us and will constantly be speaking to us To us, trying to trick us to say, take that back. Be your own person. Be your own boss. It's not that bad. I had a friend who, I know somebody who was thinking about different seminaries, so he went to one particular seminary. It was more of a liberal tradition, and he went there to watch a class, and one of the students was presenting a paper on the Lord's Prayer, and he got to the part about deliver us from evil, and he read that part of his paper to the class, deliver us from evil, and the professor said, wait a minute, in the Greek, there's an article there. It says, deliver us from the evil. And really, the Eastern Orthodox Church, rightly, they don't pray deliver us from evil. They, they pray it, deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from the devil, <laughs> not just evil. In the West, we don't do that, but in the East, they do. Why'd you put deliver us from evil, not the evil one? And the student said, because I don't believe that there is an evil one. I don't believe in the devil. And the seminary, seminary professor said, I don't believe him in either. But Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus, in Mark's gospel, definitely did. He was tempted by it. And every other page is spiritual warfare. How important it is for us to be wise uh, in that regard and to be mindful of of, 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 of how that can play a part in trying to pull us away from submitting our lives. But y'all, mostly and practically, it's just folks around us in our own, it's our own heart. I, don't, I wonder how many times you have been pushed by even your dearest friends to do something outside the will of God. Peter does that with Jesus. We talked about that. Jesus says for the first time, I'm going to die for you. And Peter pulls him aside and rebukes him. You go to John chapter 11 and the disciples are worried about, they've just tried to stone you. You're not going to go heal Lazarus. We don't want you to die. They're pulling Jesus away from ultimately what is the heart and the purpose of his incarnation, and that's to to take up his cross and to die from us. But we've got friends who will try to pull us away from taking up our own cross all the time. Methodism's founder uh, and forefather, John Wesley, sent Francis Asbury and Thomas Koch and others to the Americas to share the gospel just before the Revolutionary War. But once things started to get heated over here, he called all of them home, Francis Asbury would not budge. And he wrote back to Father Wesley, I cannot comply at present with your request. Now think about that. You're talking to Father Wesley. You're talking to the one who blessed you and sent you and who also is very close to you. And here's what what Francis Asbury wrote back to England. God ordered me to stay here in America, not to go home to you or England. You, you would not want me to leave the world God called me to, not even for my dearest friend in life. John, I love you. I love him more. And you're not going to keep me from the will of God. How is it you need to hear that today? where friendships are pulling you from the things that you know God's calling you to do and to be. And sadly, sometimes it can even be our own family that hold us back from the call of God in our lives to follow in a variety of ways. And you see that again also in Mark's gospel. When his mother and brothers come and Jesus says, No, my mother and brothers are ones who do the will of God. What we should want for our families and for our friends more than anything is that they are in the center of God's will. I've been also reading, as you can tell, from Francis Asbury's journal as part of my devotional time uh, each morning, and he talks about having to have the conversation with his mom and dad. I'm going to America to to share the gospel, to a place that had all kinds of dangers and maybe even resistance. Um, I'm going there and here's what he wrote in his journal i went to acquaint my parents with my great undertaking and they took it hard but they consented to let me go he also admitted later in his journal that god himself came to his mother and helped her to part with him It'd be tough and so god shows up and says to mom it's going to be okay being in the center of God's will, yes, will sometimes, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, take us out of our comfort zone. But I love what Methodist missionary, one of the most famed missionaries of the last century or so, E. Stanley Jones says, actually the safest place on earth is to be in the center of God's will. That's where we want to be. That's where we want our our kids, our grandkids, our church kids. That's where we want to be, in the very center of God's will. Sadly, even family because of nervousness or because whatever it might be might keep you from the will of God, fight that, press through that. maybe it's our own fear maybe 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 that could be a reason uh, that we might back away from the will of God. Listen, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the close right before Jesus is taken to be tried and then and then Uh, martyred, killed. We know, as he shares with his disciples, I'm at the point of death. We know that he was under such stress that he was literally sweating blood. We, We see his humanity there. The real struggle, praise God, that he is a high priest who knows our weaknesses and our hurts and what we go through but he pressed through and pushed through because all I want is whatever cup you have for me. Not my will, but your will be done. What's that fear in your life? And you need to respond to that today to, to say, Lord, I'm going to press through that. I want only your will. Or maybe it is. If, lastly, if, you, if you're going through Mark's gospel, maybe it's failure. Is your past and your stuff Holding you back from following the will of God completely and obediently in your life. This, I love what William Barclay says. I don't agree with him on everything, but I love what he says about Mark's gospel. This gospel shows the warts and all. Nobody gets out unscathed in this gospel. The disciples are constantly bumbling and fumbling. If you go back to, if you go to chapter 14, 51 through 52, we think even Could it be that the person who wrote this book even tells on himself? Yeah, I went there when Jesus was being tried. They were talking uh, about and and trying him, and I had on a linen sheet, and they grabbed me, and I ran away with not a thing on, like a coward. He even tells maybe on himself. Here he tells on James and John. Earlier he tells on Peter. There's misunderstanding, rebuke, fighting with one another over who's the best, lifting up their own ego. They won't even let children come to Jesus. Here we've got John and James not asking, demanding, put us on either side of you. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But will that stop what God wants to do today in our lives? I love that Mark doesn't let that stop him, even when he's got a bump in the road with Paul and Barnabas later in Acts. You keep reading in Paul's letter, and he talks about the ministry of John, Mark, of of Mark, how important he is. I love how James and J- John, who fumble here in our passage today and elsewhere, you watch their lives and watch John faithfully, we believe, serve till late in life, even though he's persecuted in incredible ways, being exiled and all kinds of things. His brother, go to Acts 12, he's the first disciple to die, to give his life for Jesus. Struggled and failures, but I'm not going to let that define who I am today because I I know the resurrected Lord. My sins have been forgiven and I want to be in the heart and the will of God. We think Peter had so much to do with Mark's gospel. That he told Mark some of those stories. And Peter certainly does not get off the hook in this book. But after he's met the resurrected Christ, after the Holy Spirit's been gifted to him by the Lord, people are speaking in tongues and understanding one another, and all of a sudden there's commotion and questions. And you would think it would be Peter to duck out and deny, but because of what's happened in his life, He steps up and he drops the Pentecost sermon. And when he sees the great sheet, he's not confounded and arguing with God. He submits to God, whatever's your will for what's clean and unclean, I submit and surrender to that. Person after person in Mark's gospel, yes, they struggle, but they don't let their past failures keep them from obedience today. Where is that for you? Maybe the accuser of the brethren keeps bringing it up. Maybe it's your own feelings or somebody else who says you can't do that because where you've been. But Jesus, but Jesus has forgiven that. How is it you'll step out in faith and say, I, I'm just going to live whatever is the will of God? Now, there's a couple of things as we close very quickly. Just a couple of side rows as we finish up. And I I love this picture of Jesus. He's faithful to keep the will of God. He's submissive. he's, he's, He's holy. And yet it's interesting to me when you watch those places and points, when there's great stress and great temptation, who is with Jesus? When he's in the wilderness, we think about, hey, he's there with the devil. But we forget in Mark's gospel who's with him. It says the Holy Spirit compelled him to go. The Holy Spirit was with Jesus. You see it in Luke's Gospel as well. And as soon as the temptation is over, who's with him then? God himself sent angels to minister to Jesus. We don't and should not, Jesus did not, go through this alone. And when you get to the garden and even though they failed, Jesus said, I need you three guys with me. Even though they failed here, James and John, they get to be there in that garden, and they struggle there as well. But Jesus says to them, I'm at the point of death. Can you guys stay up with me and pray? I love this model in Jesus's life, whether it's at his temptation, throughout his ministry, uh, what you see here at the end in the garden when he's saying yes to the cup, he's constantly saying yes to other people Walking with him. My boys are so excited about this show about Boba Fett that's on Disney Channel. Okay. And there's a line from one of the recent episodes. The greatest lone wolf in all of the Star Wars galaxy, Boba Fett says, You're never gonna get far in life without a tribe. Just not. That's that's the model of Jesus, the one who in himself is all sufficient. And yet he says, Spirit, take me to the wilderness. Angels come and minister to me. Boys, would you all be with me as I pray? For you and I to keep the full will of God, we're going to need the encouragement of others as well as the counsel of others. I think that's another worry pastors have when we talk about the will of God. For my own life and maybe for your life, there, there have been places in my life where I thought I was making wise decisions. But the more I got into God's word, the more I was with other believers and was praying and counseling together, all of a sudden I realized, how did I miss that? That was clearly revealed in Proverbs. I shouldn't have made that decision. How is it for you and for me that we're placing ourselves with other believers, we're placing ourselves consistently in the word of God so that we'll know his revealed will. and We'll also have the strength and the encouragement to walk it. Ben would love to talk with you. I'd love to talk with you about our small groups or Sunday schools or an accountability group. Those have greatly blessed my life, uh, and and we want them to be a part of your life as well. What we see in this passage, Jesus is saying yes to a cup and a baptism. He's constantly deferring, submitting to the will of God in his life. I love, as we close, this prayer. From a missionary who was going to Russia, he he was going to 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 take Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. This was back in the late 70s, early 80s. Behind the Iron Curtain, going to take Bibles to really what were spiritually starving believers, to risk his life so that they might have the Word of God. And I love his prayer before he stepped out into this ministry. Here's what he prayed. Whenever, whatever, however you want me, I'll go. And I'll begin this very minute, Lord, as I stand from this place and as I take my next step forward, will you consider this a step toward complete obedience? Let me say that again. I'll begin this very minute, Lord, and as I stand from this place and as I take my next step forward, will you consider this step, this step, a step towards complete obedience? Would you pray that today when it comes to maybe fear in your life or family situations or friendships who are pulling you, decisions maybe where you want to be glorified like John and James or you want your family to be glorified? No, I just want the will of God. I just want to be in the center of the will of God. Lord, would you consider this prayer, my next step, a step towards complete obedience? of following your will. Let's pray about that. Lord, first and foremost, we are thankful for this picture we get of your son, Jesus Christ. When confronted with talk of glory, he spoke of serving us. He spoke of his cross. He, He spoke of being a ransom for us. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you were suffering servant for us, that you showed with us your heart of obedience, your heart of holiness, your heart of submission, and we praise you for that. And it's our prayer that we would not only just follow in your steps, but that we would make that heart commitment in any area we need to see today, where we have not yielded control, not just a pattern for living, but we have not yielded to your authority in those areas. We repent of that. And Holy Spirit, would you show us where it is, what it is, who it is, that we need to give to the leading and to the authority of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, we all struggle. Help us, we pray, that our next step, this step, would be one towards complete obedience, to live for the one who gave all for us. And it is in his name that we pray this prayer. Amen.